I'm really excited to give this lecture since there are so many new things going on in uh, treatment of uh, some neurological disorders, but particularly neuromuscular disorders. And uh, I will drive through the process how these uh, new treatments actually just uh, started to become available for our patients. I um, cited this favorite quote of a great scientist of the 20th century who um, was from my country in Hungary. He he um, was a third-generation scientist and a physician. He discovered uh, vitamin C and uh, worked on the citric acid cycle, uh, which is known now as the Krebs cycle. He was a pacifist. He, he shot himself in his first world war to be get, able to get out and uh, do research. In the second world war, he was uh, on the list of Hitler to be killed, and he was saved by Russians and came to this country he established the uh, muscle biology uh, um, research unit at Woods Hall in Massachusetts, where he discovered actually the actin-myosin complex and worked on it. Uh, he had a long life. He died in, in Woods Hall. As an inspiration, I think, for every one of us, uh, uh, these great researchers. He was 44 when he got the Nobel Prize. Um, I have some disclosures I, I served on advisory board to design clinical trials uh, with these companies. Um, today, the goal is to give you some, some background on the different genetic abnormalities of neuromuscular disorders, and that gives the basis of the uh, uh, mechanism of genetic engineering, and that leads to uh, directly to treatments of, uh, of uh, uh, different disorders. So in, in the 21st century, if I can have a recommendation, what are the areas that we have to study hard is uh, genetics and immunology to understand new treatments. Those are the two major um, uh, specialties that we need to be very familiar with. So just uh, quickly uh, running through, you know, we have uh, chromosomal abnormalities, um, dilations, duplications, insertions, um, inversions and translocations at the chromosomal level that we, we have discovered even with using old uh, chromosomal uh, analysis techniques. We shouldn't forget that another chromosome we have is the mitochondrial DNA, which has deletions and duplications. They are at the DNA level, they are insertions, uh, uh, base pair one uh, or different size of base pair insertions and deletions. They are single base switches that um, affect the, um, uh, that may cause uh, 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 missense or nonsense mutation. The nonsense mutations are the stop codons in the genome. Um, there's another interesting uh, genetic abnormality are the triplet repeats. Uh, or, or human DNA has a lot of repeats, but they are abnormal expansion of these repeats, which can happen in the coding re regions of the genes, regulatory genes, and gene, uh, regions uh, such as promoters or, or uh, introns. There are at least 70 different neuromuscular disorders that are associated for these triplet repeat disorders and require special attention from genetic engineering uh, standpoint. So what, what are, is the um, consequence of these uh, mutations? Uh, it can be loss of function, uh, function mutations, mainly in recessive disorders. Um, in dominant disorders, there could be a dominant negative effect. 
that is seen in some uh, neuromuscular disorders, such as Charcot-Marie Tooth disorder, there could be a dominant toxic gain of function. And one typical example is a gene for ALS, which is an adult motor neuron disease. And there are uh, mutations that uh, act at the RNA level to cause RNA interference. The <coughs> genetic interventions or engineering act at different levels um, of, of uh, the genetic mechanism. Um, they are regulatory gene expressions that, uh, that can be modified uh, using agents that methylate histones, which can increase or decrease the expression or from, uh, from the DNA. There are molecules that can uh, force through a transcription from a stop codon, such as the aminoglycosides and some design drugs. We, uh, they are agents or oligonucleotides, they are developed for uh, forcing a skipping or inclusion of uh, axons that I desired. The, the new kid is on the block is gene editing, and uh, we will hear, uh, we'll hear much more and more about the gene editing. And there uh, is a new uh, revitalization of gene therapy efforts after um, some uh, uh, stalling for a couple of years that I will briefly talk about. So the non-specific regulation of gene expression is related to um, the molecular modification of histones. Histones are tightly bound to DNA and affect overall the gene expression. There are molecules uh, such as uh, um, acetyl, uh, or methyl compounds that uh, are put on, on histones with different molecules such as acet uh, acetyltransferases or deacetylases. The most common uh, drugs affect the deacetylases, which increases the gene expression called HDAC inhibitors, and they are some of these molecules that have been tried in neuromuscular disorders, but because these drugs have other pleiotropic effects, they are much used as adjuvant treatment for cancers. Um, this is a diagram of the uh, drug that I mentioned. If we have a uh, stop codon, and a stop codon, uh, there are three kinds of stop codon and the RNA level that is listed here. Uh, in this, uh, 1979, um, Palmer and Singh described in yeast that uh, uh, point mutations in a yeast genome can be overcome and transcription can be forced using aminoglycosides, uh, uh, such as uh, um, um, gentamicin, and there were uh, actually studies on uh, gentamicin and other drugs in uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. There's a design drug that has been developed to overcome such point mutations that actually have been tried out in cystic fibrosis and uh, neuromuscular disorders. Um, synthetic oligonucleotides are the uh, agents that help us to um, modify the inclusion and exclusion of axons. Um, Paul Zemininski was uh, an investigator at Mass General Hospital in oncology, and he di discovered um, or synthesized oligonucleotides to try to um, stop Raul sarcoma virus uh, uh, expression. He was actually in his retirement when he uh, published this, um, uh, and he was very active, and he uh, um, produced so much uh, research in the area that he, his name holds at least 20, 25 different patents uh, on oligonucleotides. The oligonucleotides are DNA molecules or RNA molecules. They are notoriously unstable. We all uh, 
living organism has a def defense mechanism to try to uh, defend itself from uh, from exogenous nu uh, nucleotides or DNA pieces by nucleases. So when, when you want to use these drugs for uh, treatment, you have to modify the chemical structure to be uh, able to make it stable. So there are two major typical modifications of these uh, natural oligonucleotides. One is adding uh, phosphorus and sulfate uh, um, uh, residues or amide residues. Uh, these are called morpholinos. So these are the two chemistries that are used for the current uh, drug studies and drug treatments. Um, when we inject uh, these oligonucleotides into the body, uh, it, it will bind to some proteins, it will attach to the surface of the cells, it will be um, um, uh, entering to the cells uh, through some receptors that are not identified, and then uh, the oligonucleotide will be released from the lysosomes uh, and will eventually uh, get to the nucleus to be able to uh, work with these, they have to get to the nucleus. Um, so there are two major ways to um, use these oligonucleotides. There are regulatory sequences in our DNA. One are the uh, splicing enhancers or, or sp splicing silencers. When we block the splicing enhancers by oligonucleotides, we'll reach axon skipping. So it will, in the different axons, we'll delete one axon from the from the, from the uh, transcript. When we block the um, uh, silencer, actually it will force an axon inclusion. So this is the basic mechanism of, uh, of the axon skipping or inclusion technology, which is very much used in, uh, um, in neuromuscular disorders. Gene editing is a very hot topic. Uh, topic. There, there are nucleases that were discovered, there are several Nobel Prize winners uh, 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 discovering the various nucleases such as restriction enzymes and uh, um, uh, gene editing uh, nucleases. Um, these are these able to cut the DNA and um, uh, then the DNA will be repaired by ligases. So th there's a possibility to cut out different bases. Now the major discovery and uh, you can hear about it in, in, uh, 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 recently even in national uh, publicity have been um, um, uh, attributed to the discovery of the Cas9 and CRISPR system. Just recently in 2013 uh, at MIT, uh, uh, Zhang and described this system from prokaryotic cells and uh, a parallel to that from a Harvard researcher in the same uh, paper described using the CRISPR um, and the Cas9 system. The importance for the system is that it can target, we can be designed to target any specific gene sequences and make uh, addition in, in the DNA. So we can imagine uh, cutting out such as uh, triplet nucleotide repeats or abnormal mutated uh, DNA pieces and restore a normal uh, gene function. function. So we'll hear a lot about using the system in the future for treatment. So in general, gene, genetic engineering has made already impact not only in medicine, drug delivery, animal um, uh, models and sciences, but also industrial um, uh, uh, sciences. Gene transfer is a process when, when uh, you introduce um, a full functional uh, DNA molecule into cells by various ways. Um, 
it has a full functional promoter and uh, um, a, a stabilizing uh, polyethyl. This can be done by chemicals to introduce to cells. Uh, the DNA has to be protected, as I mentioned, because nucleases tend to chop off these, uh, these exogenous molecules. So it can be protected by uh, such as liposomes or viral vectors can be en engineered to basically as vehicles to uh, bring DNA into uh, various cells of the body. So in turning to um, uh, neuromuscular disorders, uh, different um, clinical effort have been made in muscular dystrophies using gene therapy, axon skipping, and uh, using the uh, stop condom read-through uh, uh, molecules, uh, similar to uh, spinal muscular atrophy, and these are the two diseases that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, gene therapy, um, uh, axon skipping, and HDAC inhibitors have been used in clinical trials, and there are some other efforts in other diseases. So just briefly, muscular dystrophy is a pathologic entity this is a normal uh, muscle, uh, nice polygonal cells, and uh, uh, peripheral nuclei. In a muscular dystrophy uh, case, and there's various forms, the muscle uh, gets necrotic, destroyed, it regenerates a lot of fibrosis in the muscle and a lot of inflammation. There are various forms of muscular dystrophies, uh, uh, we categorize them depending on of the genetics. And uh, most common is uh, uh, Duchenne-Becker muscular dystrophy, which is an X-linked uh, uh, disorder uh, that I will use as an example for the new treatment. Um, most of the muscular dystrophies are related to this membrane glycoprotein complex. Inside the cell, there's dystrophin that binds uh, tightly to the membrane complex and, and uh, with some other linkers uh, to the basal lamina. It has a role to stabilize the muscle membrane during contraction and stretch. So Duchenne muscular dystrophy is uh, the disease of dystrophin. Uh, mutations in this uh, gene is uh, what causes muscular dystrophy. This is a, the typical GARS maneuver for a child with Duchenne muscular dystrophy uh, with a high CK level. And most uh, typically, um, mutations are deletions, large deletions in this uh, uh, huge uh, gene, which is two megabases. Uh, a milder form of the disease is Becker's muscular dystrophy. U usually, uh, children are stronger. They, they are variable um, progressive. Uh, their, uh, their weakness, but still they have proximal weakness, scapular ringing, and uh, uh, gastrocnemius hypertrophy. So there are uh, uh, mutation hotspots in this large gene um, that mainly deletions in the mid portion of the genes that are the most typical, that, but there are random other mutations uh, uh, such as point mutations uh, throughout of this gene. There's a genotype-phenotype correlation. So um, then the mutation um, keeps the, uh, stops the reading frame, so the transcription, that results in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and there's no protein production of dystrophin in, the, in these patients. As shown in this Western blot, uh, uh, five is the patient with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. There's no dystrophin, which is uh, at the 220 kilobase, this uh, Western blot. In Becker's muscular dystrophy, the mutations uh, may truncate the protein or make the protein uh, less uh, uh, abundant. So most, uh, and the majority of the mutations in both conditions are deletions. So we have been engaged in standard care um, in our neuromuscular clinic, which currently includes uh, uh, a lot of supportive care, physical therapy, 
um, uh, orthopedic therapy, scoliosis surgery, respiratory and cardiac support, and uh, standard uh, steroid treatment. Um, with this kind of, uh, even before specific treatment, we made significant progress uh, in the survival of this condition over the years. The nowadays uh, children with uh, even without uh, before the steroid era started to live up to 30 years of age instead of the most typical death around uh, late teens. Since the steroid uh, treatment came in, this certainly has been expanding, but we still don't know the long-term effect of steroid in Duchenne muscular dystrophy patients. Definitely, there is a, some indication there's a cardiac and. Uh, uh, improvement or, or actually the prevention of the decline from the cardiomyopathy and uh, scoliosis when you use steroid with all of the uh, known side effects of this drug. So I will show three kinds of uh, new treatments that have been uh, 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 in clinical trials for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. One is the read-through product. Uh, the first trial was in uh, using gentamicin in a small number of patients uh, for six months and uh, it showed that there was a decrease of the CK level. The problem was that the gentamicin dose had to be used so high that it uh, caused uh, significant uh, nephrotoxicity. And so uh, there was no general um, uh, uh, approval for gentamicin use. There's a uh, drug that was uh, designed uh, uh, called etalurin. A clinical trial um, was conducted and published in 2013 and 14. What was interesting uh, that the lower dose of the atalurin gave uh, better outcome in terms of the six minute walking test, but the FDA didn't feel that was still significant and currently this, uh, that drug has not been approved. It is in a, a, a further investigation. Interestingly, in Europe, the drug has been approved and this is only for point mutations for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, to be able to understand the concept of, uh, of exome skipping treatment, we have to be familiar with the genetic map of the Duchenne muscular dystrophy gene. This looks uh, quite complex. Uh, DMD gene has 79 axons. Again, the most typical are deletions in this region. So this depict uh, um, uh, shows that when one axon is uh, missing, what should be the next axon to able to uh, continue the uh, uh, reading frame. So I'll give you an example as uh, if axon 50 is missing, the only way to restore the um, uh, reading frame, if we skip axon 51, then the, the junction of the two axons will be able to continue the reading frame. This will produce a smaller protein, truncated but still functional, so the idea is to convert Duchenne patients to Becker's patients. So this um, shows the, the use of oligonucleotides <coughs> that has been designed to block an, an exon silencer at uh, exon 51. And when that happens, exon 51 would be skipped. These uh, studies have been done preclinically in cell culture and animal studies and uh, uh, found to be um, uh, effective. So how many patients are applicable for this exome 51 skipping? So only about 13% of the total Duchenne population is uh, amenable for exome 51 skipping because of their mutation. The other um, exome skipping possibilities are listed here. 
A total of about 50% of the Duchenne patients might be treated with uh, specifically designed axon skipping, and this is now a personalized medicine because you have to design a drug depending on the individual's mutation. Point mutations are not enable for, for this, and other mutations may require multiple skippings. So uh, probably I'll skip that because you just go through the same process that I explained. So the initial clinical trial has been um, uh, uh, done um, with the endpoint of uh, dystrophin protein production. <clears throat> so children were treated initially. There was a dose escalation study. And unfortunately, muscle biopsies were taken from children and uh, examined uh, the dystrophin expression. There were variable um, effectivity of this uh, drug uh, in terms of dystrophin expression as an endpoint. Uh, there was improvement of the expression quite significantly. Uh, when it was submitted to the FDA that the study reached some endpoints, a 23% increase, FDA uh, rejected initially the drug approval. And interestingly, a recent article in uh, Annals of Neurology from FDA showed that they, 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 their uh, uh, review of the whole clinical trial uh, showed that uh, the um, assessment of the increase of the dystrophin was actually overstated in, in this clinical trial. Nevertheless, the clinical trial uh, uh, went on uh, using uh, some clinical endpoints, and uh, here at uh, uh, Connecticut Children's, we, were, we are part of this uh, clinical trial called PROMOVI. Um, patients who are enabled for axon skipping uh, were randomized to controls and uh, uh, his, uh, comparison for historical controls were done and uh, various outcome measures including walking abilities, uh, lung function tests have been assessed. The interim study from, uh, from interim results from this study was convincing enough that the FDA reversed the initial rejection of the drug and the drug has been approved as of September with a fast accelerating process. There was also a lot of um, pressure from the uh, patient community to have this drug approved. So currently we are treating three children uh, uh, with this drug. Um, um, I, can, I cannot tell you results from the study yet, but I can uh, say that the child who is in the study is doing extremely well in terms of functional. Um, Gene therapy has been um, uh, thought, again, as a potential treatment uh, for, um, uh, for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but it has several problems. One is the biggest problem is the size of the gene uh, that has to be incorporated into vectors. I want to just briefly mention that I was involved in this research starting from uh, 18, uh, 1989 when uh, I was at uh, uh, University of Wisconsin, uh, John Walsh Laboratory, by serendipity, we found that uh, uh, we were working on the brain gene transfer, but uh, it's turned out that uh, um, injecting uh, plasmid DNA into muscle will be able to produce um, uh, foreign gene expression. Uh, quickly, we cloned the, uh, the dystrophin gene, both the Becker and the Duchenne type, and injected in animal models of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and we, we were able to show that we reached uh, gene expression. Unfortunately, the level of gene expression was low to, for this technique to be able to continue this with uh, uh, clinical trials. But several other researchers worked out viral vectors uh, with much more efficiency, and the current viral vector is at an associated vector that has a robust 
possibility to transfer genes into, um, into muscle cells. The same for neuronal cells. So different serotypes of uh, a parvovirus uh, able to, uh, uh, probably enable to use for clinical trials. The first human clinical trials were done for another form of uh, for another form of muscular dystrophy was uh, limb girdle muscular dystrophy. The problem with the Duchenne muscular dystrophy trial that this uh, virus is only able to incorporate about four kilobase, which is half of the normal size of this trophy, and so this will only able to um, to express a truncated type of uh, gene, which is not far uh, not optimal. Just recently, there's a, a very interesting article in Nature Communications using the gene editing system that I mentioned, the CRISPR-Cas9. Uh, uh, using this system with a gene transfer in an animal model of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, um, they were able to exercise the point mutation of that animal, and a robust uh, uh, dystrophin expression is seen here um, uh, in uh, using uh, immune histochemistry. So I think this technique, at least for point mutations, has an a, uh, enormous uh, possibility that we'll hear about it soon, uh, I think, uh, uh, in clinical trials. I would like to turn to spinal muscular atrophy. Um, spinal muscular atrophy is a motor neuron disease, <coughs> which is probably the most common uh, genetic motor neuron disease in humans because of the carrier frequencies is uh, uh, 1 in 50 or, or uh, 70, which is very high. Um, the prevalence is 1 in 6,000. This um, disease causes a progressive muscle weakness, um, but there is no brain or upper motor neuron involvement. So this is a cell-specific disease, only affects significantly the lower motor neurons, which is, are the largest neurons in our body, and probably just sensitive to the uh, to the absence or low amount of the uh, uh, protein that is uh, produced in this condition. So the consequences of motor neuron loss is the degradation of neuromuscular junction, muscle atrophy, which is shown here as a group atrophy. That was the diagnostic procedure before the genetic era, how we diagnose spine, uh, spinal muscular atrophy. So there are three um, clinical, or four clinical types, and probably there's a type zero intrauterine, uh, type of spinal muscular atrophy depending on the severity of the disease. So the infantile form is Wernicke-Hoffman disease. These are the neonates who have difficulty breathing. They end up on ventilators and without specific treatment they die within about uh, two years. Type 2 as an intermediate form, these children um, start uh, uh, to be weak after six, seven months of age variably. They're able to learn how to sit but they never walk. So that's by clinical definition. Those children have a lot of respiratory problems and swallowing difficulties. Children with type 3 um, muscular, uh, spinal muscular atrophy um, uh, can start uh, their weakness at any time, at any age. Usually these children have normal um, um, uh, motor milestones, but then they have a progressive weakness. They can walk usually after big growth spurts, they may lose ambulation and they end up with wheelchair. And there is an adult form. These individuals usually uh, uh, live long and they and don't end up in wheelchair, but they are weak. They function quite well. So all of these forms are related to um, the same genetic abnormality. 
I just want to show the same thing as, as with uh, <coughs> with uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, that even we regarded these diseases in the past as untreatable, with all of the supporting treatment that, uh, that were uh, um, uh, developed, uh, even for the most severe patients, uh, respiratory support, uh, non-invasive or invasive ventilator support, the lifespan of these children has been expanded quite significantly compared to the era when we didn't employ these techniques. So the genetics of the spinal musculature is much simpler than uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The gene is on chromosome 5, closer to the uh, centromere. There's um, um, two very similar genes. Uh, they are next to you um, in, in this region called SMN1 and SMN2 because they are very similar in sequence. SMN1 is the one that's responsible for the disease because 95% of individuals are missing exon 7, 8, so this is a funder mutation in a human population. Um, it's only humans who have SMN2 genes. The animal kingdom, animal, uh, animals don't have SMN2 genes, so if there's a mutation in SMN1, that's embryonically lethal. So why humans survive with this uh, uh, disease? Because SMN2 2 is partially functioning. The function of the protein itself is, uh, there's multiple different functions that uh, relates to um, RNA metabolism, but in the large neurons, what is important that actually SMN protein functions as a transporter. It transports molecules down, all the way down an axon, uh, such as RNA molecules, and um, it, it uh, pr provides translation and in this long axon. Um, uh, so it's most likely when SMN is missing or low, there's an axonal uh, death in, and then a subsequent uh, death of the motoneurons. Why other cells are not so sensitive to this, uh, it, it is still, um, I think, a mystery. So what is the difference between SMN1 and SMN2? Um, it's basically a few base pair in, in the DNA. So in normal SMN1 molecules, there's a full-length uh, protein production. Again, most typically people have, uh, with SMA, have deletion of exon 7 and exon 7 or 8. Um, in SMN2 uh, molecules, there's a difference in, in, uh, in exon 7 in a, um, a splicing region that a, a C to T change makes uh, exon 7 to be deleted in 90% of the transcripts, but 10% still go through with full-length protein and functional protein, and that's what saves humans um, from dying when, uh, we, uh, when they have mutation in SMN1. So this is a variable uh, expression from SMN2, uh, truncated protein and full-length protein. The more copies uh, of an individual have from SMN2, the milder the disease. So this is the genotype-phenotype correlation. Some individuals uh, have, are lucky to have six, seven copies of this gene, and they are safe, actually, even if they have SMM1 uh, missing. So that's completely excuse the phenotype if somebody has uh, six, seven copies. So how can we use this for treatment? So all of the efforts, the genetic efforts that I will talk about is really uh, trying to modify the expression of this SMN2 gene. So when, when we design treatment, we want to save motor neurons. In, uh, um, uh, from dying. Um, as an effect of that, we will have he healthier muscle cells and uh, more muscle function. So it has been shown in an elegant uh, animal experiments that saving motor neurons from dying is enough 
is enough from, uh, for the treatment. This was a um, transgenic animal model at Ohio State uh, showing if the gene was expressed only in, uh, in uh, neurons, not in muscle or other organs, the SMN, that, that definitely um, impro improved the outcome of the disease in the mice. So it gives a proof of concept that what we have to do in treatment is uh, motor neurons. That's what we need to target with any techniques, uh, uh, gene therapy or any uh, techniques. So the most commonly um, uh, um, researched uh, treatment is antisense oligonucleotides for spinal mass atrophy to try to force uh, Axon 7 to be incorporated in SMN2 gene therapy. This, this is not much easier because the gene is small, can be incorporated into adenoviral vectors. And there are some other nonspecific treatments that have been investigated. Um, the first clinical trial that uh, was done is using uh, HDAC inhibitors. And because uh, in in vitro experiments, it was shown that uh, using valproic acid, which is an HDAC inhibitor, not just a seizure treatment, um, was able to increase the protein production. So I was in Detroit when we um, uh, run, uh, had a multicenter clinical trial for spinal muscular atrophy uh, using valproic acid, and we um, established what clinical outcome measures we are going to do, respiratory function and motor functions, and uh, electrophysiological measures. Um, um, the study was negative. It did not improve the patients enough. Um, but I think it gave, gave really a good platform how to run clinical study, uh, trials in spinal muscular atrophy. We learn how to, uh, what I know outcome measures to use and also how to recruit patients. So this was the first uh, the treatment trial in spinal muscular atrophy. Um, Adrian Kainer at Colesmink Harbor Laboratory developed the antisense oligonucleotide uh, to try to block the a splicing enhancer in, in SMN2 to try to incorporate axon 7 in the um, uh, transcription. And he showed efficacy in uh, the tissue culture, which was then turned into an animal experiments. The uh, oligonucleotides were um, uh, engineered and injected two ways intravenously and intrathecally because uh, uh, of uh, concern with blood brain barrier. Um, uh, tra uh, transport. Um, there was efficacy shown in uh, the animal experiments, which right away, even so, this was a, a treatment then from right away from mouse, it was move, moved to human without using any other uh, species. So um, the drug was de de developed, and the first uh, um, uh, clinical trials was dose finding, <clears throat> and it has been shown that 9 milligram of the highest dose of that we was used was uh, really significantly effective in terms of uh, actually not only preventing the decline of the motor function, but actually improving the motor function of children with uh, spinal muscular atrophy. So this is the, the um, dose that uh, have been used in several clinical trials for spinal muscular atrophy at different age groups. So these are just the epinames of these clinical trials, depending on the uh, mostly type 2, type 1 patient. And uh, we were uh, involved in the EMBRACE clinical trial here, or patients are still um, uh, currently enrolled in this study. We enrolled four patients um, in the treatment study. And again, we don't have the results, but they are doing very well, actually, in this study. One patient 
I can probably give you the secret. One patient who was type 2, uh, mom sent a video and started uh, showing independently walking. So it, it does have a disease modifying effect. What was interesting in that the nurture study, which is a pre-symptomatic treatment. So patients are identified mutation at birth. They are give, give, getting the uh, drug to prevent decline in their spinal mass atrophy and showed probably the best efficacy in the clinical trials. Interim data have been uh, produced and uh, FDA just approved the drug as of uh, December uh, 31st uh, of last year. So this, I can say that this trial was uh, very successful and we are very uh, proud that we were part of that uh, clinical trial. Um, this drug is administered intrathecally because it doesn't get through the blood-brain barrier. Some people would uh, worry about intrathecal administration. There's a loading phase of the study uh, of the dose in the first uh, month, three injections are given, but the drug is stable enough that it has to be injected only as a maintenance treatment uh, 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 four times a year or three or four times a year. So as the drug approved recently, we submitted uh, um, about six, seven patients for treatment. We are still waiting for insurance approvals because this, this uh, uh, cost of treatment could be a million dollars per year for a patient. So um, I want to just uh, finish up with gene therapy because there's a lot of development for gene therapy for spinal muscular atrophy. The treatment is used by adeno-associated vectors with intramuscular injection and utilizes the virus retrogradely um, uh, entering to the motor neurons quite efficiently. This has been shown initially in the animal models of uh, spinal mass atrophy. Again, if the um, uh, uh, gene therapy was done right after birth before the symptoms developed, it completely rescued the phenotype of the mice, completely. So the first 15 patients were or, uh, enrolled into human clinical trial at Ohio State, which is the powerhouse of gene therapy. Um, for these diseases, uh, 15 infants were before age six uh, months were, were injected. A, a video uh, can be watched on YouTube that was produced about the clinical trial. This was the, the human gene therapy effort that, that incorporated the highest viral uh, factor, about a billion particles injected into uh, humans, which is scary. But uh, what happened is there's a transient uh, uh, hepatitis uh, seen, but uh, patients uh, with steroid toler tolerated this well. So there are some preliminary studies can be heard in, in uh, different uh, conferences. There's no published report, but uh, some, uh, some patients uh, are described amazingly responding very well to this uh, uh, human gene therapy effort. So we'll, we'll hear about more. Um, I tried to enroll one of our patients, just fell off the list. Uh, 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 um, unfortunately, uh, from this gene therapy effort. So concluding um, um, of my talk, I want to um, emphasize that we have um, been experiencing the new treatments which are genetically based for uh, neuromuscular disorders, particularly Duchenne and muscular dystrophy and uh, spinal mass atrophy, which uh, had been shown to so show efficacy slowing down the disease. This is, these treatments are not curative, but uh, that definitely disease-modifying treatment. It just emphasizes that early diagnosis of these disorders, which is qu still quite delayed. There are 
um, uh, reports that uh, how much delay in the diagnosis of these conditions still uh, exist, which will call for neonatal screening of these disorders. MDH has submitted the um, request for neonatal screening for spinal muscle atrophy uh, uh, to the legislature, which, uh, which probably is going to happen. Uh, my, my basic message for, for the general practitioners and even specialists, if you have a child with a motor delay and likely not a brain disorder, before you send them to um, birth to three, please consider ordering at least a CK level, maybe an SMA genetic testing, and screen for Pompe's disease because these are the, treat the patients who now benefit from early treatment and we cannot miss that anymore. So there should be no delay. Uh, at the end, I would like to uh, acknowledge the Clinical Research Center, um, which was instrumental in the clinical trials. They uh, do an extremely good job, and particularly Hendriana Nielsen is uh, the key um, uh, uh, to coordinate uh, the clinical trial. And Mark Schomer helped us uh, in the SMA clinical trial. Uh, at the neuromuscular clinic, Nancy Salgitis is, is instrumental to coordinate the care of these patients, and she's working hard now to um, obtain uh, uh, insurance approvals for these new clinical trials. So thank you very much.